Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with Leo Flowers. If you're like me, quarantined, locked up, <laughs> not locked up, but that's what it feels like, right? Um, There's it, it, so many challenges and, and obstacles. I have received so many messages from people feeling like a burden, uh, feeling like they're isolated, to feeling hopeless. Uh, However, if you go to thrivewithleo.com, I can coach you from feeling like a burden to feeling like a blessing, from feeling isolated to feeling connected, from feeling hopeless to feeling hopeful. Go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching, and we will get through this together. With that said, Let's get into the episode. Uh, Nick Guerra, I'm excited to have you on today, man. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Nick Guerra is a, an extraordinary comedian. Uh, people people usually just say funny, hilarious, but he's he's extraordinary. Uh, even to the point where he wears a suit on stage. I don't know how many comics at the age of 37 uh, wear a suit on stage, um, but uh, he's up there with the suits. And it's a power move, um, man. Yeah, because you got things to say, and and people don't take you seriously unless you're wearing a suit or like you're super young, like you got to be like a super young kid in a black t-shirt yeah. and blue jeans and chucks. Uh, so you have to be at either Dude, extreme. My, my move on the suit is this: is that it's comfy, you know. I I got to fit it, and it's uh, it's me showing the audience, like, look, I'm the best dressed here, so you have to listen to me. Uh, I'm in charge. And it also paces me and allows me to go even more ridiculous because I'm in a suit, you know. What, what like? Do you, what do you mean? Like, think about think about like Steve Martin. Here, I'll give you two examples: Steve Martin, Doug Stanhope, completely opposite spectrums. Now, Steve Martin was doing some wild and crazy, silly things on stage, but he was in a suit, so it was kind of like even more exaggerated because you're looking at this guy, you're like. Wait, a guy in a suit supposed to be serious, but here's the complete opposite of it, you know? So people let you kind of be more silly in a way. Whereas it's, if Steve Martin was in a t-shirt and jeans, uh, they'd be like, ah, this is a little too much, you know? That makes I, sense. I don't know if I could like, take this Like guy's Ryan suit. Stout wears a suit and he says the most insane things on stage. And I think people yeah, are man. with it as a it, result. And it's always balancing that that it we all choose on stage how we're going to manipulate the crowd in a way psych- psychologically, right? And the way we do it is everything from how we speak, how we pace, to what we say, to how we dress, to the twists on our jokes. And you kind of have to give your performance something that keeps you tickled, you know? And for me, wearing the suit and saying ridiculous things tickles me to no end. How, now, how does that, let me ask you this, um, because you're a very a strategic person, very thoughtful. Um, how, now, how do you transfer that over into your relationship? And, into my relationship? Yeah, and here, because <laughs> here's what I mean, in that, you know, in a relationship, your, your, your significant other is, your, is an audience member, right? Like, my girl yeah. is constantly looking at me uh, what I feel like is for imperfections. She's constantly reminding me of yeah. uh, spots that I, cause I have a bald head and she's constantly yeah, yeah. like, you missed a spot. You missed it. So I'm just going to have her shave my head one day. 
forever. She's going to become my full-time barber because I'm tired of her telling That's me the spot. Funny. And it's the same spot that I miss. That's the sad part. That's funny. Like, I just, like, even I even though I know where it is, I still cannot get to it, which is a metaphor yeah. for life. But my, but my question is, is that in your relationship, um, you know, with your girl being your, your audience member, is there is there a way that you feel like you have to show up for the relationship? You know, man, I think um, what I've decided in, in my relationship now, because this one I'm taking very serious. You know, the other ones I wasn't taking serious. I was still, you know, traveling comic or whatever. It's very much uh, this suit is the attitude of like, I'm going to make this relationship work. So that's that is my suit for this relationship is like I'm going to be a good man. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be, you know, uh, I'm going to be everything that I wasn't before. And that's how I wear the suit. And I remind myself that, you know, because for the first few months I was fighting it. And then I decided I was like, you've got to grow up, man. You got to put on a suit and you got to show this one woman that you love her. And that's it you know, uh, and keep her happy. And, 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 and I, and I do my best. I fuck up, <laughs> you know, I, I mess up, uh, because I'm still learning how to be a good boyfriend, but I carry that attitude of like, always make sure that business is good between me and her. Always make sure she knows I love her. Always make sure. So it's more of a responsibility, you know, and that's the suit in my relationship. I completely get that. You know, during this uh, quarantine, you know, me and my girl are together um, more than we usually are. And yeah. and I'm podcasting a lot more. Right. Because a lot of a lot of people have you know more time on their hands. And uh, so I'm podcasting like three, four times a day. And I'm very conscious of the fact that th- I'm taking away time from us. Right. Dude, I'm her. thinking about that right now. <laughs> and so as soon as I get done with every episode, the first thing I say is, do you, what do you need from me? Anything you need yeah. from me? And anything yeah. I can do? Like, what do we need to go for a walk? Do you want to talk? Do I need to clean up something, move something? Like, what do you need from me? Because in a couple hours, I'm going to go right back into, into work mode. But yeah. I want you to know that you and I are the priority here. Yeah, and, um, and you're you're at the top of my mind, and so yeah. you said you're going through the same thing too. How so? Uh, I mean, I, I same thing. We're quarantined together, uh, and uh, as soon as we're done here, it's going to be like, okay, I've done, I've done what I set on my calendar to do. I'm going to close the laptop. Let's go do what we need to do. Let's go for a walk. Let's do everything, stuff like that. And then uh, as we settle back down, I'll open up my laptop again after we both settle down and just start working again, you know. But, it, yeah, it's very much that, like, okay, uh, I finished my part of the job. Now let me go put on the, the relationship suit on and, uh, and just be together in this, you know, be positive together in this. And it, it's been working out great, man, you know. And now, because I know that you you've been to therapy, right? Uh, no, I've never been. You've to never been to therapy. I thought you never. Yeah, yeah, either been to therapy or took prescription or none of that. No, I did take like vitamin drips. Uh, <laughs> so, vitamin drips for what? 
Uh, well, back in the day, I thought I, I, I was uh, I was going through some stuff. I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease. Uh, but diagnosed and being 100% sure if you have it, you know, you can get diagnosed, but it's basically based off of your – so tell me about your symptoms. Like, okay, well, it sounds like you have this, <laughs> right? Um, and uh, that's the most I, I did for myself. I, You know, I, I've always said I wanted to go to therapy. I just never have. Why did you want to go to therapy? Just to see what it was, see if I needed it, to see if, if it helps in any way, in a way that I don't know. Because for me, it's like I need to discover new – I need to discover extra things I could do to take care of myself and try it out and see if I'm – if oh, this is what I was missing. You know, I'm, I'm on a constant discovery of self and uh, anything I can do – to keep discovering myself, I want to continue to do. So how, how, in what ways have you been discovering yourself, uh, you know, up to the age of 37? What, 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 what's that journey look like for you? Well, you know, um, big one was exercising. I remember for the majority of my life, believing that I was just not a guy that could get in shape, fighting it, being the kind of guy like, oh, I just, I, I run out of breath too quick. I'm not for this. I don't know how to do it right. Uh, I'm just not one of those guys. And then finally doing it, you know, finally like, okay, and realizing, oh, this makes me feel better. Oh, okay, that's why people exercise. Oh, I can do it. I've just been, you know, uh, ignorant to, to the ways of exercising. I thought it was all about going hard and you better carry the heaviest weights and you've got to knock out a hundred and sweat. I didn't realize that it was like, no, you can pace, you can get in there. You can go at your own pace. You can, uh, it doesn't have to be heavy lifting all the time, you know, because we're not taught that you're taught when you're exercise or the idea of exercising, when you see it on TV, is like gym rats, they go in there and they are pumping major iron and that's the only way to do it, you know? So I had to learn how to exercise. I had to learn how to do it my way. And it, and it took some time. And then when I opened up to that, that's when I opened up to the ideas of like, okay, so what else am I missing in life that I thought I had to go hardcore on, but I don't have to. And, uh, it's been everything from exercise to, to, uh, the things I do on stage to wearing the suit, to dressing differently, to handling a relationship more healthy to even uh, dabbling in drugs. <laughs> dabbling in, uh-oh. Are we talking about microdosing? Are we talking about ketamine? Well, you know, I mean, like, uh, I mean, I, uh, two years ago is when I started, like, doing anything weed-related. Started with edibles, right? Uh, and then realized it, that I could pace myself and it wasn't as crazy as, as it's painted. And I was like, okay, so this is fine and I feel better about it. So dabbling in that, dabbling in, in uh, shrooms, I tried shrooms and I was like, I like this, I can handle it. And then I just started trusting myself more like, okay, I'm not, I'm not uh, fearful of the person I become if I'm on something or if I'm intoxicated because I was fearful. I didn't know what I would be like. I was very scared. And then I learned how to handle it responsibly and uh, that's kind of put a different perspective in my life. You know, like I never drank before. Now I'll have like uh, a drink, one drink, you know, and some water. 
And I'm like, I can handle this and I feel okay. I'm a little loose. Like, I don't know if I told you, Leo, there, there was a few years ago where I was working a health and fitness convention as an MC. And there was a guy that was giving me a pressure point massage. So he was just pushing on different parts of my back, trying to relieve stress. And then he got to my lower back and he told me, he was like, you don't drink, do you? And I was like, no, I don't. He's like, yeah, I could feel it. I feel all the stress in your back. Have a drink every now and then. Get out of here. Yeah, that's what he told me. And, he said he could feel it. And what, like, can, can you describe what, like, what that felt like, or what, what he was feeling, or did he go in? I mean, I would, I would need more information, like, for somebody. Dude, he, put, he basically just said that and continued on. He's like, I could just feel it. He's like, you're, you're holding a lot of stress in your, in your back. He's like, and it's, it's because you don't drink. <laughs> like, he's like, relax. And basically, that's what it was. Like, relax. All right. Take something to calm you down for a little bit. I'm like, okay. Now, did he give you another alternative besides drinking? No, there, that was there's it. There's people who are allergic to alcohol or hops or. Um, uh, you maybe, know. you know what? Maybe he, that was his, because, you know, we were the funny guys. We were the MCs of the event. So it wasn't like he was uh, looking at me as a serious client. So maybe him saying have a drink was like, like I said, it was his way of saying, find a way to relax. You're too stressed out. Wow. Something, you know? Uh, and uh, it's funny, I did weed before I drank. <laughs> you know? Uh, now, like that, so like all that tension, that pressure that you had on yourself up until then, where, where was that coming from? I don't know, man. Um, I'm guessing it was coming from, from being in your twenties un, uh, and not knowing exactly where your life was taking you. You know, I was very stressed out about, you know, I've been a comic since 22, 23. And, uh, at 23, it was pretty much my entire income was comedy or something comedy related. Um, so I was probably just stressed out about life at that point. Like, am I doing this right? Am I doing what's going on? And I was living, I lived out of a suitcase for three years to make this work, crashing on couches. So I'm sure I was in that constant state of like, uh, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? You know? Yeah. And that's probably what added to, to the stress. And then I realized, you know, in your, in your late 20s, you freak out. Because we're told, especially in America, that by 28, you're supposed to have a house. You're supposed to be a millionaire. You're supposed to know your job. You're, you're supposed to be married and have two kids. You know what I'm saying? Like we have this pushed onto us so hardcore that it creates a lot of anxiety. That's why I think people flip out right before they reach 30 because in their head, they're like, I'm almost 30 and I've done nothing that I was told I was supposed to do. Then you hit 30 and you kind of coast a little bit more. You're like, oh, I'm fine, you know? And uh, I was talking to a buddy about this earlier. I think that's kind of what's happening right now with the uh, quarantine. You know, people are anxious. They've, they've got a lot of anxiety, but it's because of the pressures that we were sold. It's because of what we told we should be doing. Uh, the, the work hour, like the, the work week, was introduced in 1926, not even 100 years ago. You know, uh, Ford, Henry Ford was the one that introduced the five day work week, 40 hours a week. 
That means it's not natural to us. We haven't evolved as uh, a race, a species, to be able to handle a 40-hour work week. We do it because we are the human race is strong like that, but that's not natural to us. And so we've introduced this 40-hour work week in 1926. Now we're not staying at home as much. We're not able to make... Uh, you know, homemade meals as much. So now we're introducing fast food and preservatives into our meals. Well, now we want bigger meals. We're sold that it ha- there has to be meat. So now we're introducing steroids to animals. You know what I'm saying? So for the past, since 1926, humanity has been in this aggressive business mode of do this, do this now, do this now. And you got to hit this goal at this goal at this goal that we're losing sight of what it is to be alive, to be human. And I think now what people are going to be dealing with in these next few weeks is that anxiety of, of uh, social pressure going away from them. It's, it's, it's their moment where, in a weird way, we're being told to relax. You know, you, if you're a healthy person, the reason you're going to get sick during this, this, uh, this quarantine is because you're stressed. Stress brings down your immune system. So going to come out stronger and it's like find your way to relax, whether it's meditating, yoga, if it's got to be microdosing, if it's got to be a drink every now and then, you know, find your way to relax. If it's got to be painting, find a way to get out of your own head. Does that make sense? Absolutely. <laughs> because, you know, as part of why, like, you know, going back to me, like scheduling a bunch of podcasts throughout the day. I wake up in the morning. First thing I do is uh, do mobility and meditation, movement, some type of yeah. movement for 20 minutes and then 20 minutes of meditation. And it's just about creating a routine and, and, yeah. and, and so that you have an anchor so that you're not caught up in all the unknowns and the X factors and uh, yeah. the, the changes that are taking place is that you have to find a way uh, to root yourself. To, we we have that, to find a way a, to root that's ourselves. That's a smart move, man. Like, um, and and that's the thing that we uh. So think about it like this: so you're creating a routine to come off of the regular routine that we're used to, right? You're creating your own routine. That's kind of how people, how drug, drug addicts get off of drugs. You know, they're like, look, we're going to create a routine, a different set of drugs to slowly bring you down into a place where you're more normal, (laughs) you know? So people definitely need to create a routine right now in these first few weeks of quarantine so that they realize like, start creating your routine. You've been, you've been doing other people's routines, start figuring out the balance of yours. And the more you figure out yours, the more calm you'll be and, and the better prepared you will be for what we're going through right now. Sorry for interrupting you. <laughs> no, no, that was great. Let me ask you this, Nick. You know, you're 37. You got your HBO special. You've been doing stand-up for a long time. And, uh, and, and to get to where you are right now required so much failure, so much. There's so many parts, I'm sure, in your life where in your career where you, you're comparing yourself to your peers and how did that person get there and I didn't get there. And how, do you, how, do you, how did you deal with that? And how do you deal with that emotionally and mentally? So the way I dealt with it, man, is this, is that I remember back when I started, I was told that it took at least 15 years to, to become a blip in stand-up comedy, right? 
so that was the that was the route I signed up for. I signed up knowing that it was going to be at least 15 years for something to happen. Um, so that grounded me, especially now in the that we've gone through the digital boom where social media became such a thing. That wasn't a thing before, you know, and people started freaking out because social media became so heavy on us that we started questioning our own journey. And then I had to remind myself, no, Nick, you signed up to be a stand up comic. You didn't sign up to become famous. You didn't sign up to become a social media star. You signed up because you want to be a stand up comic. Stay grounded in that. And you knew that it was going to take 15 years to become a blip and 20 years to become pretty successful in this. And if you get it before that, that's great. And so that's just how I, I kept myself in tune with it. Now, yeah, it sucks. You do see certain opportunities that go or that don't go your way, but what's right for you is right for you. And I'll, and I'll give you an example, um, two examples. So when I ended up on Last Comic Standing, there was another show with the same premise that was holding auditions, right? Uh, I forget what the name of the show was, but it obviously is not on the air anymore. And it was the same thing, comedian competition. I tried out for that show. We had an insider in that show who uh, one of the producers was a friend. And I found out that I wasn't picked because I wasn't Mexican enough uh, for what they were looking for because they wanted me to be more Mexican. But I told myself, and then in that same week, I tried out for Last Comic Standing. And when I tried out for Last Comic Standing, I just felt like I'm going to end up here. You know what? This is where I need to be, not on that show, because that show is going to involve sketch and it's going to involve other crazy things. I need to be on a show that is about stand-up. And that's the show I ended up on. And so I started realizing that you get the opportunity that is perfect for you. So The Tonight Show, I sent out my tape, obviously, to all the other late-night places, Conan, whatever else was on. But in my heart of hearts, I was like, I'm, I know that I'm a Tonight Show comic. I just know that I am. It's like my material fits there. It doesn't fit on Colbert. It doesn't fit on Conan. It, doesn't, it fits on The Tonight Show. And I've got to accept that that's, that's hopefully where I'm going to land and I'm going to be fine with that. And that's where I landed. And that's kind of what I've just told myself is that try out for everything, but also know, don't, don't be afraid to say, but I know where I fit, you know? Right. It's like, yo, it's like when you go to a, a clothing store, autumn jeans and there ain't for you. No, they're not. They, they're not all going to fit you. You know what your size is. You know you were 34. And you know and yeah. you know if you eat three pints of ice cream, you now are 36. So don't be trying to squeeze back in that 34. You're right, man. It's exactly that. And, and once you find that fit, then, you know, the, the best thing you could do is, is always know that that's where you can go and where you can be. And if you get anything outside of that, well, that's a plus, you know? Uh, like getting dry bar. When I got dry bar, that was a plus for me. Dry bar is a, a like, comedy show, online comedy show for people. who don't Yeah. Know. And it's, if, if people don't know, it's G rated comedy. Right. Uh, it's filmed in Provo, Utah, which is like extreme Mormon. You know, one of the rules on the, uh, the filming was, was don't say God, 
you know how, how comics will be like, oh my God, they say that. Right. Uh, the audience is so strict in religion that they will gasp and you will lose them if you say, oh my God, you know? Now, there's sweethearts, so they still come back to your show. They still tune in to your material again, but it's it's not the – you'll get a response that might throw you off. So when I was able to do that, and I was so happy that they let me do that, it was a challenge like, okay, you know what, Nick? You're, you're going to challenge yourself to be G-rated clean, and you're going to make it work, and you're going to get an audience that had never seen you before, and none of this material is what you did on HBO because on HBO, I went raw, <laughs> you know? As you should. I mean, I they could. got Game of Thrones and, uh, you know, Six Feet Under. Yeah, man. And, yeah. So on HBO, I was like, and I, already, I had already filmed the HBO special. So I was like, man, HBO, I went raw. If When you see my show, I hope they used my actual last closer. It ends pretty fucking raw, right? Uh, so my challenge of myself when it was like, let me get this dry bar. Let me do this and knock it out. G-rated comedy. And now it's like, there you go. I, I can fit in both places, but I know, I know the area where I'm great at, which is raw, but I can also do this job over here. And, and a lot of us don't take, a lot of us want to be everywhere. We want to be all things to all people. And yeah. instead of really taking the time to be like, these are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. And I, and I think part of that is the conditioning of society saying that um, you shouldn't have any excuses. You, you can do whatever you put your mind to. And it's like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. But I don't know if that's where my efforts are best utilized. I don't know if that's where my strengths and talents and skills would, would be. It's like, yeah, I could be a cashier at Walmart, you know. Yeah, yeah, but is yeah. that the yeah. best place for me to be? Yeah, exactly. Right? Um, I could yeah, I could be a CEO of a company, but even then, is that the best place for? Is that the best yeah. fit? Is that is that tailor made or is that off the rack? Yeah, man, and that's a, that's the other thing that people yeah the, society pushes you, especially now because of social media. And I happen to follow a lot of inspirational social media or business minded, and it always pushes that on people. Like if you're not a CEO by this time, if you don't do this, you're doing it wrong. This that, and then I'm just like, man, they. They're pushing this message so hardcore on people, they make them forget that, yo, that might not be for you, and that's fine. Um, I'll give you an example, uh, and this also helps me stay in that realm of, of being okay with what I'm doing. I look, I look at people like Dr. Dre and Eminem uh, because those guys, they pretty much just stick to what they do. They tried acting. And they did it once and that was it. You know what I'm saying? Right. They knew where they were strong at. And uh, like Southpaw was supposed to be a movie for, for Eminem. You know, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal ended up doing uh, doing the role. But they were offering it to Eminem and he's like, no, man, I, I, I'm not I'm I'm not going to do this, but I'll do the soundtrack. I'll make songs for it. You know, I'm I'm completely behind what you're doing, but. I'm not the actor that you're looking for. And he did the soundtrack. He stuck in his realm. And that's fine. You know? And it's okay to be, you can be successful by just sticking in your realm. Now, there's some people that are, you know, three-headed, talented monsters. And if they're able to pull that off, do it. But don't ever feel 
like you have to do five things good uh, to be something in this world. Do one thing great, and that's fine. Yeah, there is a book called The One Thing by, I forget his name. Kel, yep. And uh, see, there's a, a self-help reader right there. And he does yep. talk about that, like focus on one thing. And, and and to me, and tell me what you think about it, it doesn't necessarily mean that um, uh, that you only do one thing. It's just that you everything that you do is for the one thing. You know, it's yeah, like it, it's like I work out, but I, I work out because I like the feeling of when I walk on stage that I that I'm like that I like I hop on stage like that, yeah. that like I hit the stage. I want to feel like 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 I want to be there and that because sometimes you get on stage and it's like three steps to get up there. Sometimes it's like a big step and I never yeah. want to look like I'm struggling just to like get you're, on you're stage. Winded. Yeah. You know, <laughs> winded or I yeah. feel tight or like my knees are, are hurt. So the, when I work out, I work out with that in mind. When I, when I drink water, when I do my vocal lessons, like everything is for that, even though uh, to someone else it could look, even reading a book or, or taking a nap, it's, it's all so that I can yeah. be optimal for uh, go time, well, like a Navy SEAL. Yeah, dude, and and I uh, let's uh, let's reframe it this way too. If there was a Leo Flowers section at Blockbuster, you know what I'm saying? So I'm walking into the Leo Flowers section at Blockbuster, and on there is uh, personal training. On there is is working out. On there is a podcast about your health and and, and uh, therapy. It's all in the same realm. You know what I'm saying? But that's four different videos that I'm watching right now. It's Absolutely. like, okay, you know what? I want to get Leo's workout. You know what? I'm going to get Leo's uh, advice on 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 uh on life. But it's all in that realm, you know? And it you it's good to create that realm. Uh I used the example of Dr. Dre earlier, and, and I think we've talked about this before and if we haven't, I'll, I'll say it. Um so Dr. Dre is obviously known as a great producer. You know? He's not known as a great rapper. That's why he never really had just a solo rap album. He always had collaborations. There's always features, compilations. And on the first Chronic, there was like two songs that he wasn't even on. You know what I'm saying? So he understood he wasn't a rapper. So he was known for beats. Okay, I'm known as a beats guy. I know him as a beats. Then when he was presented with uh, uh, apparel lines like, hey, we want to make you a shoe. We want to make uh, a product that we want to design something fashion wise for you. And in his head is like, well, shoes don't match me. Clothing doesn't match me. Headphones match me. And why headphones? Because headphones is how you listen to beats. And what are we going to call the, these headphone beats? Because when you want the best beats, you go to Dre. And so beats by Dre stuck in that same realm of what he's known for. It's everything about Dr. Dre extended. And that's why that's a billion dollar company, because it was like, yo, you want some good beats? Go to Dre. You want some good beats? Go to Dre. Beats by Dre. They're the best. You get me? Uh, absolutely. There's a subconscious, uh, you know, play on words. And it, it's something that we already subconsciously wanted were beats by Dre. Right. It's like, oh, did you hear that new beat? And, did you, yeah. and uh, it's quality oh, it's, by Dre. That's quality. Absolutely. 
And and the reason why I bring this up because people are like, why is he? Why are we even talking about this on a on a mental health suicide prevention podcast? Is because a lot of people um, are overwhelmed by the things that they have to do, and yeah. and when you feel overwhelmed, you get frustrated, and then you feel like you're not moving forward and you're standing still. And but if you can take time to sit down and ask yourself. What is the what is the one thing that uh, that is my purpose, my mission, my my goal? And so, and that can change over time. I understand that. Yeah. But you know, or whatever the one thing that you value, it doesn't have to be an occupation. It can be something that you value. And then ask yourself: Am I doing everything in my power to align everything else that I'm doing with that? What's is is everything that I'm doing serving that one thing at the top of the pyramid? And whatever is not, you yeah. either get rid of it or you adjust it so that it does, right? If let me give an example, um, it goes back to stand-up comedy, right? Like that was my one thing. And I remember one time I worked out before a show, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go hard." And I went. I, I had like a crazy ninety to two hour workout, right? I was yeah. so exhausted by showtime. I, I just I gave such a mediocre performance that I was like, that workout routine does not serve the greater purpose. It it hurts yeah. it. So I scaled it back. And it took some tinkering and, and, and toying with to figure out what is the best way to work out so that when I hit the stage, I feel optimal. And what's the best time? Sometimes right before is not the best time. Sometimes first thing in the morning. Sometimes it's 20. Sometimes it's an hour. But, yeah. but that's what I'm talking about is it, you don't have to necessarily get rid of things in your life, but adjust them so that everything feeds adjust everything. It, man. Right. Yep. And and every day is a different adjustment because some days you're like, you know what? I, I don't feel like I can do 40, but let me do 25. You know, like when it comes to working out, yeah, I don't feel, but let me do 25. Let me do something. And it is that constant adjustment in yourself. And, uh, to, to go on about you saying, why are we talking this on a, on a, uh, self-help suicide podcast is because I am trying, I, I have been talking to people and trying to remind them that don't be so, uh, hard on yourself to follow the, path that we were told to follow. Don't be so hard on yourself to chase the American dream because it is harder to chase that dream right now. It's, it's so much harder right now than it was, uh, 50 years ago. And just because you feel like you're not accomplishing enough doesn't mean that you haven't accomplished something, you know, and focus on all the little wins. People, people forget to congratulate themselves on the little wins, you know, and it's like everything is a little win. Doing this podcast is a little win. And I'm going to celebrate this podcast. When you post it, I'm going to post it. That's me celebrating it. Look what I did. Look what I did with my buddy. And it's okay to live in that little win. Wow. I love that. You know, I was just thinking, too, that, um, you know, they call it the American dream. And I was just thinking, why would you want to live someone else's dream? That's, that's America's dream. That's not your dream. Yeah. I had four dreams last night. Those were my dreams. Nobody else in the world had the dreams that I had last night. Yeah. Those were my dreams. Why would I want to live the American? That's that's, that's that the American dream was a dream that 
one person came up with and decided to call it the American dream. And now yep. a lot of Americans are chasing that dream, the house, the home, the car, the picket fence. The, but but they, they don't, you know, they leave out the debt. Right, they yeah. leave out they, they leave out the creditors and 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 the flood insurance and uh, yeah and the, and the kids getting sick and you getting that late Ooh. night call that you got to run down to the yeah. to the hospital. And we and, all don't get the same deals, right? You know, it's not it's not the same deal on every house. Right. It's not the same deal for every customer. So it's like, yeah, you can't live the American dream because there is no standard to to like you said the deals and the the things that you're going to run into. Uh, but I think what the base of the American dream is, is that it's, it's kind of like, look, look, you don't have to worry about too much. You don't have to hunt for food. So, (laughs) so get that out of your, your system. You don't have to do this. Live that part of the American dream, live, live in the benefits of what America gives you, you know, uh, and, and then just strengthen yourself uh, alongside those benefits. I like that, man. How? Let me ask you this, because you know, is is you and your girl, and you know, you've been on the road for a while. Um, how how's the relationship with your family right now? You know, man, it's good. I just actually talked to my sister earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, and I I really I need to call my family more, my immediate family. But it's good, man. You know, that's. We're all very positive. We're all, you know, finding a better place right now amongst each other. We had the, the, uh, the you know, of course, my father passed in August and his, his uh, uh, you know, so that happened. And I think now my family, my sisters are coming to better grips with it and with themselves. Um, but it's been good, man. Yeah, I... I I don't know, man. It's funny because I don't I'm not really necessarily a family guy. Right. But my girl is my girl's a family person. So we visit her family a lot, you know, and I go over there. uh, But with my family, we found a place where we all just enjoy each other. When we call each other, it's good conversation it's good catching up, and that's pretty much the focus. And if we need something, we're not afraid to reach out to each other and ask. But we are also responsible to to the person that's getting asked the favor knows that there will be a return. Has it always been like that? That it seems like you guys have a healthy communication. Was there was there a trying period? I mean, you know, before the quarantine, before your dad passing, was there was there a major family obstacle, and how'd you guys overcome that? I think the major family obstacle was reminding each other that we love each other. Like that was it. You know, like my father was probably the most sensitive of us in that way is that his biggest fear in life was that we didn't love him, that his kids didn't love him. And so we would just I just had to remind myself, call dad and tell him you love him. Call dad and and talk to him, even if it's for 25 seconds. Just tell him you love him because he needs that and it's going to make him feel better. And especially as people get older, I think when parents get older or or relatives get older, you know, they're sitting at home more and they're in their head more. So just a quick 20 second reach out means so much. And you have to remind yourself as an ambitious person, as as somebody that's going after your own life. Let me just take this 20 seconds. 
call them, check in, and 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 move on, right? So I think we had to learn that. We had to learn how to tell each other we loved each other. And uh, But other than that, yeah, it's been good communication. I mean, my father passing did cause a little bit of stress and anxiety because of uh, arrangements and things like that. But we got over it as a family. We're all very logical uh, to, to an extent. There will always be emotions present. But the thing is, is that you address the emotions and then you figure out the logic. So I, when I was talking to my sisters here in this time, I would address how they felt. I would address what they're going through. I would empathize with, with, uh, with something they were going through. And then I would figure out the logic. Like, I'll tell you a big one. Uh, my older sister was having problems believing that my father lived the life that he wanted to live. Right. She was having anxiety, thinking to herself, like, dad could have done so much more. He didn't do all he wanted to do. He didn't do, you know, like there was he, he his desires, his wants. She was putting all these desires and wants uh, in her head that he had never expressed. Right. And then I told her, I was like, wait, what are you talking about? He he's a good father. He had two daughters and a son. So he had. He had the both genders, right? He had a career as a as a first grade teacher where he taught a lot of kids, and he became a grandfather, and he became a grandfather to grandsons and a granddaughter. He lived the life that that uh, he w- he really wanted, and she just had to hear that. I was like, you know where he came from, you know what what his background is. He did live a good life. He lived a great life. Because my dad's one goal was to keep us out of the fields, because that's what he did. When he when he was younger at 10, his family would migrate to go work in the fields in Kansas. And his one goal, major goal, was I just want to make sure my kids don't have to work in the fields. Isn't and it- I think reminding right. her that I think reminding her that is what uh, what finally relieved her of that stress and anxiety. I was like, no, 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 you're you're adding more. You're adding all these dreams and things like that that, yeah, he would say, but it's not like it was his life. His life was his children, and he did a good job. You know, I I did the same thing with my mom. And that um, I was like, you know, man, if she didn't have me and my sister, she could have um, had a much uh, wealthier life. I was looking at the money she was spending on our education. We went to a private school, to a Catholic school. And um, and I was like, man, if my mom didn't have us, she could she could be going around the world, start a business, have a much better place, car, you know, all these things. And all mm-hmm. I was doing was projecting my own ambitions onto her. And yeah. it wasn't until a couple years ago that I actually talked to my mom, which, you know, I realized how little I've actually really talked to her and how much I've... Uh, uh, and not just talk to her, but ask her questions and been curious about her life and and w- what does she feel and where does she come from and uh, what were her hopes and her thoughts and her ideas. You know, you grow up with somebody for so long and you just assume you know. You assume you know everything about them and not yeah. realizing they had this huge, this a whole other world and inner world uh, before you. And uh, I and when I when I brought up my projections to her. And my thoughts, she said, my only 
goal was to have a family and raise kids and 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 take care of you. That was it. That that's that's all she wanted. And there was no yeah. uh dissonance, there was no uh friction there. It was all she wanted was to have kids and and take care of them. And uh yeah. and and that's what she did. So and, and that's why my mom has the biggest laugh. She's quick to laugh. She looks 10, 20 years younger than she does. Uh, and it's all because she's always lived in, in alignment with her, with her values. And, uh, yeah. or while I'm still out here, you know, on a treadmill, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But that's, but that's why you look young and that's why you, uh, laugh big too, is because you, you're doing what you want to do. And, and you're right, man. Like sometimes we put our ambitions on other people, uh, but it's funny because we put our ambitions on them and then we put it back on us. Like what you were doing was you were projecting your ambitions on your mom and then making yourself worried about your own ambitions that you just projected on her. Right. Right. You because know, that, that's the fear is like, oh, man, if it, it's I think it's out of fear that we that we do that. Right. It's like, yeah. am I going to am, am I going to end up like my parents? Like that's yeah. Every, yeah. <laughs> Like that's such a mean thought to have. Oh, I'm gonna end up like you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, but, well, you know, and I think when when you when we think that too, it's almost like I mean, for some people, that's a very real thing where they're like, I don't want to end up like my parents because there are some people that have parents that uh, have dealt with a lot of hardships or or Absolutely. put themselves in terrible situations. But the majority of us is like, am I going to is are my parents' ideals what I want to live up to is what that pretty much means, right? Or am I going to be stuck in those ideals? Um, and you know what, man? Like, I think as we get older, we have to love our parents, love what they gave us, you know, uh, especially if, if they gave us their best because there's a lot of great parents out there. And if your your mom and dad gave you the best – then acknowledge that I love my parents, but also acknowledge we are all separate human beings, you know, and my life is not does not have to line up with theirs. And that's fine. And they'll be fine with that, too. Yeah. And even if they even if there's an argument or friction or they say or they, say they want you to do X, Y and Z over time, they'll get over it. Right. They'll like, get over it. Dude, they'll get over it. My parents accepted that I was a stand up comic, you know, and, and I'll tell you when I think they accepted it. Because, um, you know, I've been doing it for a while, traveling, and it was always still that, that little thing like, well, you know, if you want to go back to school or whatever, or what are you going to do? It was when I did a military gig that sent me to Italy. And uh, that was when I think both of my parents were like, oh, he's traveling with this job, he's seen Italy. He's going to Greece and Spain because of stand-up comedy. And I think that's when they were like, he's fine. You know, we're, I'm, we're not worried about him. He's isn't fine. It, isn't it fascinating how other people uh, view markers of success? Right? Yes, like, it, to you, you're like, yeah, I'm going to Italy, but I'm only getting such and such for this. Like, this is... Yeah. Where in their heads, they're like, Oh, you you you're selling out stadiums. You're you're wealthy. You're 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 in another tax bracket now. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you know, I want to yeah. I want to go back for a second because you you mentioned uh, address 
the emotions and then figure the logic out. How do you how do you do that with yourself? With my myself? Yeah, with your own self. Uh, I, I would imagine there there's moments where the emotions uh, flare up or run high, and and yeah, to, it's it's and it, and it's so easy to counsel other people. But how do you how do you address your emotions and then figure out the logic uh, when when you feel a bit uh, undone? Uh, I'll I'll give you a, a very recent example, it, it, talking exactly about what's happening now with my release, uh, my special release. So we filmed it back in last year. It's been almost a year, right? April uh, is when we filmed it. And so it's taken a long time for it to come out. It was supposed to come out in August, but I was told that HBO was excited for HBO Latino. And they told them, pick one of the specials that you really believe in. And in the first quarter of 2020, we'll push it hard alongside you guys. So the people chose mine. So I was a little aggravated because I was like, man, if this came out in August, well, then I would be booked for... Uh, the end of 2019 to the beginning of 2020, which is what I was planning. You know, I was like, this comes out and then I'll be able to get booked into the holidays and start off the year strong. Right. Then when they said we're pushing it, I was like, okay. And uh, I was getting aggravated. And each little thing that started coming up was aggravating me. And I was feeling like I was lesser and I was feeling like, like I wasn't as important. And, uh, now that the uh, this this pandemic happened, even less happened. Like press started getting canceled, and I wasn't going out, and it was aggravating me and stressing me out. And I just had to remind myself. I was like, okay, it's coming out. It's an accomplishment that you're very happy about. You enjoyed it, so let's address your aggravation. So I would write out everything that aggravated me about it. I feel like I'm being put on the back burner. I feel like they're not focusing on me. I feel like like I, it's not going to get as much attention as it wants. I, I was told that it was supposed to. I'm not sure. And I kind of just laid it all out. And then I looked at the good side of it, the logical side. But it's coming out. But you can do what you can to push it. Do everything you can to push it. Enjoy the celebration of it. And just uh, logically just... Don't send any emails out of anger. Send them with logic. Like, hey, guys, I was wondering about this. I was wondering about that. Can we do this podcast? Can we do that? Can we push it like this? And I just try to find my my little solutions that I could do within this, this uh, aggravating moment of waiting for something to get released. Like, I just calmed myself down because it's very easy to be so upset with an accomplishment, because, you know, I'm telling you this right now, and you're like, what, you got aggravated because you're going to have an HBO special? It's like, yeah, I got aggravated because it, it was like I wanted to be seen. I wanted to get out there. I want to see where my life's going to go after this. Is it going to hit? Are people going to like it? And then I had to just realize, like, you know what, Nick? Just now that you've got all those thoughts out of your head, be happy with the accomplishment. Show love to people that show it. Let other people enjoy it as much as 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 you enjoy it and find your way to handle it and uh that's kind of what i've been doing with releasing the clips and going online and just talking to people and doing what I, doing my part and that's the logical i can only do my part i can't force people to watch this thing i can't force hbo 
to make a billboard for it. But I can do my part. I can do what I'm good at. And it, that's being Nick and going online and pushing it. You know, does that make sense? I love that, man. You're absolutely right. You know, uh, I like to call it, you know, you got to Marie Kondo your emotions. Yeah. Uh, if, if you if you've watched her her special on Netflix, Marie Kondo, she is uh, the magical art of tidying up or something something about tidying. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the first thing she does when you're trying to tidy up is uh, she'll have you throw everything. She'll have you start with one room, right? Yeah. And then she'll make you throw everything in that room on the bed, whether it's your books or your clothes or or what have you, or just or put it all in one pile. And then yeah. you work from that one pile. And to, and to me that, and, and, and you'll find stuff that you'll realize you don't need or don't care about or doesn't resonate with you anymore. And uh, you either, uh, I, I forget what the three boxes are. One is to keep, one is to throw away, one is to give away. That's what the three boxes are. And emotionally, that's what, that's what you had to do, right? You had to lay out first all the things you were feeling, right? Yeah. And, and, and validate those. And then you had to figure out, all right, what's logical? What, what should I keep? What, what, how do? What's yeah. a way to address them? And, what, what uh, can, I, what can I put in an email? Yeah. What can I do myself? Yeah. And what can I just let go of? That's basically what I was, I was dealing with. Keep, send, let go of. I like that, yeah. man. Um, and yeah, and it's not easy. And sometimes you need help. Sometimes you need other people. Uh, that's why a coach or a therapist uh, or mentor is good to help you kind of weed through. There, there are times where, and I haven't, uh, I don't know if I've done it in this relationship, but there have been times where uh, I, I'm upset about something that, that's happened in a relationship and I'm about to send an email or a text. And But what I'll do is I'll send it out to five of my friends first, and I ask them to, to peruse yeah. through it, to comb through it, to, to see if, uh, if I'm being logical or if I'm being too emotional. And, of course, I'm always yeah. being way too emotional. Um, yeah. And then they, they give me some edits. They, they cross out some things. They add a few words, and, uh, and then they give me back. And then I, I pull all that together. And then I send out the most and remarkable, the most A-plus Ivy League text message uh, in the world, and then uh, you know, then I look like a champion. She's like, "Oh my god!" Bah, 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 bah. What do, man? But it it takes it takes a team, it takes a village, and it takes you being yeah. vulnerable and laying it all out there first, addressing the emotional. I love that. And it's funny because you, uh, it, since you read the Keller Williams book, you know you're do you just did what a lot of major CEOs do. And if you've heard any advice from major CEOs, they're like, I'm not the smartest one. I just find the smartest people. And you're doing that with your emotions. You're like, I know I'm very emotional. So let me send this out to five of my logical friends to help me shape this properly. You know? And uh, that's a smart move, man. You know, I do that. I, I do it in my head, but it's a very smart move when you're when you're in that moment of like, I feel like I need a... I need to let this out. You're like, give me a second. Let me explain to somebody else and see where I, it's a, I mean, that's, I'm going to steal that. <laughs> well, I mean, it, cause it's what we do as comedians, right? Like we, yeah. we write out a bit or a story or whatever. And then we go I up in front of a million audiences to help. And it's their laughter and their response that helps us to hone it into that 
that HBO special, that Netflix special, that killer joke. They people just think we just wake up hilarious. But I, I have I've yeah, had to no. run that um, through a million crowds and and not just crowds, audiences and and family members and and strangers on a train and you know practicing in a mirror, you know, before yeah. I honed it in, into that well crafted joke that that got you falling out your chairs and coming back and and buying the merch and. And liking me on Instagram and, and and sharing with your friends, you know. Yeah, I mean, and I and I'll say this, man. Uh, I think I've been able to handle life a lot. And I'm not recommending this to anybody who's listening to this and is is not a comic. Uh, but for me, stand up comedy uh, did help me out a lot in life in general. Like for all the the uh, stress that we go through. Uh, stand-up comedy has done way more for me than than I could imagine, and I think it's because uh, it's uh, I've given myself to it. I've 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 enjoyed it. I've I've loved it, and like you said, that experience of failing on stage and and reassessing and getting the critiques and having the little failures and having the little wins, like you know you you got noticed by Etsy at, at the Comedy Cellar. You told me that story. Right. And that was a little win. And that and uh, it's that whole thing of like, since we hit that constantly, we're better able to handle a lot of uh, a lot of the world. We're better able to handle life because we understand that it's not perfect. uh, First try. It's not perfect. Second try. Sometimes it's not even perfect. The the hundredth try. But, you know, you got to go through those hundred tries. What uh, what what's a book that you're reading, or have read that uh, you've you've read more than once, or that's really impacted you? Oh man, ah, oh, dude, read more than once. That's yeah. really impacted me. I mean, I've had a few. Um, I wish you would have sent me this question earlier, so I could have looked at my books. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I guess maybe, uh, Carlin's last words. I've read a few times. Oh, you know, the Leguizamo book, Pimps, Hose, and, uh, all my other Hollywood friends, his bi- biography. I read that a few times cause there's a little gems in there. Uh, and like the war of art, that one was a good one to read a few times. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head that I know and I just can't. Oh, the game <laughs> by Neil Strauss. Yeah. So, you know that you know it's unfortunate, but and I think over time the people have interpreted the book a little differently, kind of like Forty Eight Laws of Power. But the game, even though on yeah, the surface yeah, yeah. is about picking up women, it's really about how to improve your communication. It's made me yep. a much better communicator. Uh, that book, I mean, along with, uh, with some other books, but, uh, it's in that book in particularly helped improve my relationship with my mom and, uh, and also learn how to, uh, talk and negotiate, uh, with agents and managers and, and just people on the street and just people in general, just help me. It helped me make friends a little easier and feel uh, yeah. a little less alone in the world or just more empowered. I think that's a better word. It made me feel Empower. What was your takeaway from the game? Like what? What? The the biggest takeaway I I got from it was, 
um, to have a better life, you have to work on yourself. That is the ultimate takeaway from the game is that everything Neil Strauss did in his chase to pick up women was actually better for him. He got in shape. He got out more. He uh, met more people. He learned how to talk. He already had all of that in him, the charm and everything. He just learned to it's like, dude, I need to learn how to better myself. And that is what will make me a better person. And that's what I took from the game. That's why I read it, because all the other guys are stuck in in conquering the game, especially that one character who adopted uh, Neil's personality. You know, they were obsessed with conquering the game, not realizing that that's not what it's about. It's about, you know, getting out there and being a better person. Right. It's It's not it's it's not about leveling up. Right. It's about attracting to you the, the things that you want, because at the on the very last page, I don't know if you remember, he says that the best way to get a girl is to do uh, everything except pursue her. Yeah. Or something something to that effect. It was like, you know, when you when you are working on yourself and you're operating at a high vibrational frequency, then yep. that you will naturally attract uh, the girl, you will naturally attract the job and the career and, and things like that. What? It's about putting that work in on yourself. And and you have something to offer. See, a lot of people, especially like relationships and, and the younger dudes get so aggravated. The, the whole incel culture is because it's all these, these you know, teens to, tw- to early 20 guys who are trying to chase the American dream of being a man. You're supposed to bang a lot of women and they're supposed to be throwing themselves at you and it should just be automatic. But it's like, no, man, you've got to, what do you have to offer anybody? Not just women, anybody, you know? And that's how it is in entertainment. What do you have to offer? You're going to go pitch to an agent. What have you written? What do you have to offer? What do you got? You know, and that's what I learned. It's like, have something to offer. Go better yourself so you have something to offer. Even if that something to offer is just better conversation. Man, the art of conversation. I, I, I think that's one of the things that's going to improve as a result of this coronavirus is that yeah. people are going to become either going to become 10 times worse or 10 times better because yeah. everybody is, is walled up. And, and, and I, I've been FaceTiming and calling people and. And having way, me and my girl were going for these long walks and and having yeah. these more intimate conversations and uh, just spending time. Like we haven't, we cut the TV on, you know, for the first time really last night. You know, we watched, uh, well, I watched it. She fell asleep during it, of course, even though it was her idea. And, you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, the conversations uh, that, that, uh, been having um and not just with her and, and fam, but with myself you know i've noticed yeah. the, the inner dialogue uh changing and uh some of the uh emotions feel much more i don't know it's just it's, it's, it's interesting to see because these are just the first couple of days who knows what yeah. happens on on you know the the first season of walking dead everybody was doing great and then the second season it was like uh-oh <laughs> <laughs> it was it got real game of thrones real quick you know so you know man 
Well, but that's also they were fighting for resources. I don't think we're going to get to the fighting for resources point of this pandemic. You know, uh, I think what's going to stress people out the most is is income. That's going to be the thing that stresses them out mm-hmm. the most. Mm-hmm. Right? right. Second to that is, like you said, is is dealing with inner conversations and outer conversations. Like that's going to be the second thing that stresses them out the most. And I hope that people allow the conversation to happen because that's the only way that they're going to feel better if they're trying to avoid it, you know, and then there's a lot of people that are trying to avoid conversations. They don't want to, they don't want to speak their feelings into existence or they don't want to admit to something that happened. Um, but that's a lot, man, that, that, that's probably what was the stress in my back was all the conversations I didn't have. Wow. That, that's a powerful statement, man. All the stress in your back was all the conversations you didn't have. Yep. Nick, you Garrett. know, so it's like, we need that. There you go, man. <laughs> <laughs> with, with, with that said, uh, uh, you know, I, I appreciate you being on the podcast. Um, and, and, and I understand that you're not a psychologist or psychiatrist. However, no. I always feel like there's someone who's listening in who's on a precipice of ending their life. Before you kill yourself, what would you say to that person? Before you, before you kill yourself, go get some art supplies. Get a big canvas. Go to Ross. They're cheap at Ross. All right? Uh, and just splatter the hell out of it. Just go nuts. Draw something on it. Go crazy on it. Uh, draw Winnie the Pooh if you want, and then draw over Winnie the Pooh. And just enjoy that release. Step back and and realize that there's there was something in front of you that was blank that you just filled with with just whatever. Don't put yourself on it to be perfect. Just get get the artistry out of you get the emotions out of you paint this canvas and then step away from it it's done and that's that's lay it's it's that whole idea like laying out the emotions laying it all out lay them all out and then step away from them take what you will of it and step away from it you know what take a canvas write down your biggest fear and paint over the motherfucker (laughs) wow you know do that man i got a i got a uh uh painting that i drew where i wrote out let's talk about the chaos you know and it was it was something that i wrote out when i was really having problems with being you know am i going to be good in this relationship or not and that's how i felt i was like i need to talk about the chaos of of what's happening with me right now and it's out there and i painted it and i splattered on it and I wrote over it and I, and I hung it up where I could see it and I put it away. And it's just like every time I look at it, it reminds me that I've gone, I've gone away from that moment. You know, I let the chaos be and I talked about the chaos, you know, uh, and now it's, it's done. And now when I look at that painting, it reminds me that I'm a better person. Nick Garrett, thank you. Sharing your wisdom and your time. Uh, plug yeah, all, plug, I, I pl- made sense. <laughs> pl- plug all the, the places where people can find you, all your social media, your special, plug all the things. 
Uh, you can find me at Nick Comic on Instagram and uh, Twitter and stuff like that. I mostly do a lot of Instagram. I'm going to start doing a lot more. Um, the special is called Love Me at My Worst. It's streaming right now on all HBO streaming, uh, whether it's HBO Go or Now or the soon Max. So just look it up. You, I think you could find it off of my name. And uh, it's a 30-minute special all about relationships. Have a good time. Enjoy it. <laughs> and That's pretty much it, man. Oh, you can listen to True Scary Stories with Edie. If you like scary stories, it's, I'm a co-host on that. We talk about scary stories. And uh, that, that, that's about it. I love it, man. Nick Garrett, thank you so much. Thank you all for tuning in. Remember, if, you're, if you require, need uh, one-on-one coaching, go to thrivewithleo.com, thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching. We'll, we'll coach you to find your purpose, to, to uh, generating hope, to connecting with yourself, to creating coping skills, all those things, relationships, transitions. Uh, go to thrivewithleo.com. And uh, we thank you. Once again, remember this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get therapy, for you calling that 1-800-S-U-I-C-I-D-E number. Call that number. I've called it twice. Call it. Talk to somebody. Your story needs to be heard, splatter, your emotions all over the canvas. And uh, and then let's see what's left so that we can get to the logic of it. All right. And we'll talk to you soon. Peace.